Good morning. Good to be here in the house of the Lord with you. God has, given, God has given us a beautiful day to come and worship him. May we do so in spirit and in truth. Please turn with me if you have your Bibles to 1 John. We'll be back in 1 John, at least for one more message here. Chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. 1 John chapter 2. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Holy Father, once again we come, Lord, to look into your word, to be instructed, for our hearts to be ignited, for our wills to be more conformed into that which is pleasing unto you. Lord, now, as we look at this critical, crucial passage here, Father, may our love and devotion be only to you and to your love, which is the only true love. And Father, now bless your word. May there be preaching grace. May there be hearing grace, Lord. Open our hearts and minds. Open our ears, Lord, to hear what you have to say from, to us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. What we have today in front of us in this passage is a matter of things temporal or things eternal. Things that are either going to point you to Christ or that are either going to draw your affection away from Christ. What we have in front of us is a matter of life and death. A matter of heaven or hell. Spurgeon once said, Consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. We must remember that as we live in this world, we are in the world, but not of the world. There has to be a distinction in your life. And if there is no distinction of that in your life, then you are living like the world. And so we must remember this morning that only God and his son, Jesus Christ, deserve our utmost affection. Our supreme allegiance can only be to the one true and living God. So we must infer from this that there is a love that we must love. A kind of love that operates under the authority of God. That is in subjection to his will. And there is a love that is not. 
There is a love that is unsurrendered to God this morning. Unsurrendered because it loves everything in the world. Everything about it. There is a love that we as believers must hate. We must hate what God hates. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And he tells us what is in that. He describes this. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the fraud mouth do I hate. We must understand that the world we live in, love is demonstrated in these forms. And it's ultimately because they do not know where the love has come from. The extent from which it came, the degree of which it comes, and the exaltation it calls us to. John gives us a taste in 1 John 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Christ had to save us from something. That which is seeking your soul, which is seeking your heart's desire this morning, is earnestly contending for your love, for your devotion, for your affection, so that you can experience love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And so I know in my own life I need this more than ever today because you can just look out in the world right now and there's only evil continually. My purpose to persuade you, to urge you, to compel you this morning that your affections, your devotion, and love should be to the love that will never pass away. Our first heading we come to is the command we must follow. Do not love the world. I think it is important for us to differentiate the world here. It's not referring to this physical created world, nor to the world of humanity. Because to us who believe the physical world is a beautiful picture of God's order and design. It's a window to admire and gaze at the glory of God. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. So I can love the demonstration of God's power in a solar flare. 
you're not aware, one occurred Thursday. I didn't know much about it, but I did some research and the equivalent of, of a very strong solar flare could be the size or the equivalent of a billion hydrogen bombs. Enough energy to power the earth for 20,000 years. And the light that bursts forth and is expelled across the world of space as it travels those 93 million miles reaches earth in eight minutes. To me, that is mind boggling. To the world it sees evolution. It sees a big bang. But to me, even God in that his demonstration of power is like he is reaching out to the world. Demonstrating that he is here. His presence is known. There is no one who can look at the natural creation and not say that there is a God because there is order and design. There is a purpose in what he has created. And it's like God says to the world, you think you have it all figured out. Your love for all of this stuff, all of your education, all of your status, all of your money will save you. But to us today, there is something better. God created you for another world. And we need spiritual eyes to see it, to go beyond the physical So this world is not the physical created world. It's not the world of humanity it, that includes our loved ones. The people that God has placed here on the physical earth. Of those we are to especially love our brothers and sisters in Christ. With whom we have fellowship and share in this union with the Father and his Son. So outwardly, this world to a child, even, is harmless, is grand, is something to be amazed at. And for us who are maybe older, this poses a great threat. Because not only do we share in those feelings, but once we get past that and get to all the stuff, we get too attached, don't we? It's not just our children that are enamored with stuff that have too many toys. <laughs> Grown men have their toys too. It's easy for us to forget that underneath the fluff, the glamour, the dazzle, the glitter, that there's a bomb waiting to explode. There is a world that is beneath all the physical attributes that is utterly hostile toward God and his people. And this is the world that we must not love. There isn't work behind the institutions of men, a faction, a workshop, a system of networking that Paul says in Ephesians 2 
that is governed by the prince of the power of the air. Satan is the CEO of this enterprise. And Paul is clear in verse 2 of Ephesians 2 that there is a course of this world, right? The spirit that is in everyone under the control of this world is a spirit of disobedience. And everyone under its influence who is serving it as its God, as their God, is on a crash course. Nearing collision that will collide with God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're all in that same flesh. This flesh still has its tendencies, its longings, its urges to conform to the world. We were all once as children of wrath, serving the world, catering to the flesh and its desires, a slave to sin. We are to mortify the lust of the flesh and the mind. And as believers, if God has quickened you, as he, if he has called you out, as he, if he has made you a new creature, you will do that. You will set yourself apart from being a child of God or being a child of disobedience. We read more of this world system. In 2 Corinthians 10, Paul again says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing into captivity every thought to the, dis to the obedience of Christ. And he again makes it clear, just if there's any misunderstanding what this world is, in Ephesians 6, Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. we would be naive to think that this world does not have strongholds. And think of a city that has high walls in place for defense. These strongholds are behind those walls and every institution of man at the highest level has been infiltrated by this evil world system. And the weapons of this warfare are many. They have overtaken our media, our entertainment, our education, our politics, our philosophy, which under the governing influence of Satan creates this world system that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It has yet to surrender not just to God, but to the captivity that it is in itself. Because it is under Satan's captivity. And this world system, this world needs rescuing by bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. So if we have concluded that the world is hostile, 
that it is unsurrendered to Christ, to God. We certainly know that it is hostile toward God and his son. Out of the hostility, it perpetuates fear, hate, and lust. This world sees itself above the authority of God. It is a world that hates God, his word, his love, his people. It is a world that loves self, Satan's lies, lust that he dictates, and his minions. It is this world we must not love. That is the case. We must hate what God hates. And he hates the darkness that is the kingdom of this evil world. That is totally contrary to his kingdom of light. We must not be drawn to the things of this kingdom. We must constantly monitor our affections and where our allegiance is. We must not love the world but we must also not love the things of the world. What else is in the world? What else does God hate about this world system? I've heard over the years, I know you have as well, people say, well, my God is not a God who hates. Well, your God is not the God of the Bible. And you have not read the scripture. God clearly hates things that are totally contrary to his word, totally contrary to his truth, totally contrary to his love, which is the only love, which is the love that we must redirect and refocus our attention to, not the love of the world. Proverbs 6, these, things, these six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, and feet that be swift to running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Pride, lies, murder, a corrupt heart, feet running to trouble every turn, false witnesses, continual discord, disharmony, disunity that is spread between brothers and sisters. What picture does that paint for us this morning? If you can't say it's our nation, our society, the state of America, then you are under Satan's lies right now. You have been deceived. This grand world of the United States where there is freedom well, we have everything at our fingertips, at our grasp. It's doing everything it can to delete God from this system, from this world, from this nation. Here is a world that loves its riches, its honor, its status in society. And as it, as it gains all of these things out of its pride, because it's too concerned with its net worth, and all of its investments are growing 20% annually. And the world is content with that. I'm not. 
Because as I've raised my children and remember the struggles that I had and the affection that I gave the world and the love and attention that I gave it and not my God in heaven for what he did for me. You lay at night worrying about your children in this world that they have to grow up in. It's not a world that is loving to God's people. It hates you because of what you stand for, because of the love that you love. John is not saying that we cannot have things of the world. What he is saying is that these things cannot have you. You can have stuff. The stuff just can't motivate you. You can have the car. The car just can't drive you. You can have money. The money just can't own you. So that anything in this world system that raises your affections to the extent that they supersede and surpass your love for God must be rejected, refused, and is not to be loved. But rather refocus back to what true love is. And this is a big problem for us. You say, why? Because we're in the world. It's hard to be in a place and not be rubbed off on. First Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners in the world, not of the world. John says in 1 John 4, 4, here's, a, here's a, another distinction. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. The ones that have gone out. The ones John calls earlier in 1 John 4, the Antichrist. There's an anti-spirit, nothing but hate. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He that knows God hears us. He that is not of God hears not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Brothers and sisters, if there's ever more of a time for us to be discerning between what is true and what is lies, it's right now. You need a spirit of discernment for truth and error. Because if you're, all that you're letting in your mind right now is what is out in the world, you're only going to think about the world. We must reject what this world has to offer. We must not love the world, neither the things that are in it. And as we reject it for what it has to offer, we must understand that it will surely reject us. It certainly rejected Jesus. 
If that's the case, should we expect anything more than hostility from this world? Jesus himself said in John 15, 18, If the world hate you, know ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you, hates me. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. If Jesus Christ came in the fullness of time, made under the law, born of a woman, and was persecuted, there was no place for him in the inn. He came to this world to his own. He was received not by his own, but rejected by his own Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. But remember, we know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. We love one another. But he that loves not his brother abides in death. The love this world offers in its right form is hate has been from the beginning. We are not to love as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works for evil and his brother's righteous. And that same hate killed our Savior, sent him to the cross, because the world rejected what he had to offer. Humility, love, self-denial. The world doesn't know that. We conclude then, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in wickedness. There is a distinction and you cannot be part of both. If there is not a distinction, that means you are loving this world and all of its stuff more than God. Why would you want to love a world that is evil, unsurrendered, hostile toward God, and hostile toward you? And love a world who's proven that its love is actually hate. It brings us to our next point, the conflict that we face. There are two loves pursuing your heart. conflict if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him John says if you do love this world we have described you need to know where you stand you need to know where you stand not before me not before another but before God James 4 4 ye adulterers and adulteresses this is written to believers to the church. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. There can be no being best friends here. If you tell me you can handle it, 
you can be around it and blend in and not be rubbed off, off on. You're lying to yourself. That's impossible, James said. You cannot be friends with the world. He says, this is not something that is new. Know ye not. It's more of basic Christianity. But the catch is, it's easy to understand, but hard to implement. Because we all love this world. We all have a love for it in one way or the other. But if you are friends with the enemy, and the world is your enemy, then what does that make you? Hostile toward God. Psalm 7, 11. God is angry with the wicked every day. Is that the kind of love that we want? Is that the kind of love that you want? Is that where you want to place all of your affections into something that makes God angry? This is a matter of life and death. We don't fear men who can destroy the body. But we fear God, him who is able to destroy the body and the soul and cast it into hell. The heart that God gave you cannot house these two loves at the same time. And he is angry that we would ever contemplate putting the love for this world above love for him. He has given you a heart that does raise affections. It does have longings, desires. But the heart that he gave you can only be satisfied in him. Those affections for the world cannot be raised, must not be raised above that which only God can satisfy. Jesus in Matthew 6, 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, wealth. So you think of a teeter-totter in your heart. When love for the world increases, love for God decreases. And when love for God increases, love for the world decreases. However, it is clear you cannot serve both. Who will be your master? This evil world system full of hate, lust, and pride. What will you gain if your love is in subjection to a master like this? Matthew 16, 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Make no mistake, if you sell out to the world, you will lose your own soul and get nothing but death and destruction. But will your master be the father of lights, from whom flows every good and perfect gift, who offers love in the person of Jesus Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The love of the Father came down and was received. How? Hate, rejection. He came to his own. His own received him not. God the Father delivered him up for a lost and dying world. And whosoever believes on him will not perish as this world is perishing, but will have, and always will have, eternal life. Is that the love you desire this morning? Is this the love you have seen and tasted? Continue to desire him this morning. This is not easy. It's a tall order for each and every one of us. It presents a great challenge, which is our next heading. This is our challenge for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. John now is going to give us three categories for what is in the world. Graphic depictions. These categories are not just pulled out of thin air. No, they work together. They're in unison. They go in tandem. They're pushing the same plow with the same arm. They are working together against you. The lust of the flesh, these desires, appetites even of a carnal nature, they have been around from the beginning. Genesis 3, 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. God has given us desires, God-given, to be fulfilled in him. The challenge is that the world has taken and corrupted them, twisted them, perverted them, so that even something as simple as hunger, when perverted, is gluttony. When laziness becomes perverted, is slothfulness. When drinking becomes perverted, is drunkenness. When sex becomes perverted, is immorality. The distinction here is these cravings and desires are needful. They are God-given. But taken out of context, taken at the wrong time, to the wrong extent, are wrong, sinful, and deadly. If I eat too much, I may be susceptible to heart disease. Drinking will kill your liver. If I don't exercise, blood pressure goes up and heart disease. And sex should be reserved exclusively for the marriage bed, nowhere else. To further this challenge, these appetites are, are led and fed through the inlet, which is the lust of the eyes, the gateway 
Whatever you place before your eyes feeds your mind, your heart, the soul. You are telling your mind and heart and soul that you must have whatever it is that is before you. Jesus said of the eye, Matthew 6, 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. The eye is a slippery slope. This is where sin creeps in little by little. If you are claiming that you do not look or let your eyes wander, and yet they do, then your eye is not focused on a single thing, which is Christ, the preeminent thing, the preeminent one. The eyes wander. They are always examining. They are searching. They are waiting for the next big thing. What else can I get that I think will fulfill these desires? And advertisers know this. They play off the attraction to the eye. So does sin. So does Satan. So does the world. And Satan knows that he can get you with this because what you see is never what you get. It looks shiny. It looks tempting. It looks glamorous. But underneath there is poison. Underneath there is a bomb waiting to go off. Because all of this works together to build the pride of life. The big brother. So that now what you see, the desire to have it, is not just I must have it, but I deserve it. Pride is thinking that any way is better than God's way. Even if God says no, we still want it. At the root of every sin, from the garden all the way through, from beginning to end, there is pride. But this is not of the Father, but of the world. There is a wisdom that comes from God, which he loves. And there is a wisdom... Make no mistake, that comes from the world, which God hates. And it is three, these three categories of the lust of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life that make up this wisdom. And it is not from the Father. But it is earthly, sensual, devilish, James says. The wisdom that God gives comes from above. He's the Father of lights. He gives liberally to all men who ask and will not withhold it. But ask in faith. Because the one who desires earthly wisdom will use it for his own gain to lift himself up. James says he's like the one that is wavering, being tossed to and fro by the wind and the sea. Let not this man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Lust and pride sent Samson into captivity when he went in his own strength. Lust and pride was the cause of disaster for David's family. Lust and pride ultimately killed Lot's wife 
when she looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah because she thought that was a better way, a better life. The instability in and incompatible nature of the world, the love that it offers, is our greatest challenge as believers. From all of this, how do we get through a single day in this world? How are we able to make it through? How do you make it one day to the next in a world that is hostile, in a world that hates God, in a world that ultimately hates you? We need spiritual eyes to see that there is another world. Eyes to look beyond the riches. What must be before us is a constant reminder. Our last point. Why give your affections to a fake love that passes away? And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. Temporal riches are fleeting. Even Solomon, the richest man who's ever lived on the earth, when he came to the end of himself, he said, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. There's also nothing new under the sun. All that, it, all that the world has to offer, everything that is catching to your eye, everything that you put stock in will be gone. If you have an investment, you want to see your rate of return, right? If you are giving this world all of your time, attention, and love, John is clear, you're going to get what you put in it. It's here today, but gone tomorrow. The world is literally fading before our eyes. The corruption of temporary fun will only last so long. Moses, rather than enduring the pleasure of sin for a season, suffered with his people. The pleasures of this world are only for a season. All the lust for wealth, the riches, the fame, and the honor, the pride of man, he's so haughty to believe that this will last forever. But it won't. Peter says in 1 Peter 24, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falls away. James says in chapter 1 and verse 11, For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perishes. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. The grass withers, and it dies. The beauty of the flower fades, it's blown into the wind as the chaff. So all is that your all that your physical eye sees, just as soon as you look at it, it begins to fade. All the riches 
It's almost like eating cotton candy. Sweet for a moment and then gone. And you have to keep eating it to keep getting that sweetness. But it doesn't and it cannot fully satisfy the child of God. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures on the, lay up not for yourselves treasures on the earth where they're going to be destroyed by moths and rust, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where there is no moth or rust, but eternal benefit. We have to look beyond the physical that we were made for another world. What's even more constant, though, than this world that is passing away, that fades as the dust, as the flower, as the grass, what's even more constant than that is the one who does the will of the Father, for he will abide forever. But the one who does the will of the world The master is the world for them. They are a slave to the world and its lusts, consumed by it and all that it stands for. You must understand that this must not be a mere profession of love for God, merely with lip service while still loving the world. Because Jesus says that not everyone that said unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You cannot profess to know Christ and yet still have a foot in this, in this lost and dying and lusting world. Your heart cannot contain both loves. No, if you possess Christ in the heart, you are a new creature with a new love, a new mindset, For you, you say, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. If you believe in this, may it be so. May it be so. That your affection and attention, your love be only for the one who gave himself for you. Not to love the world, but to love him preeminently. Because you have no glory in yourself. There's no glory for you in this world. You have no pride in your life. You only have love for the one who's given you a new life and an eternal home to long for. As according as it is written, let him that glorieth glory in the Lord. There is no room for love for this world. And why would you want it? Why do you want this love? When you who believe and do the will of the Father will live forever. Because this world passes away. But you who are doing the will of the Father will abide forever. That will for you 
is this. You are no longer putting stock into this world. Your treasure is in heaven. Your call for this will is this. If ye, be, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. This is God's will for you, believer. That you are bound for better things. Made for another world. Seek it. Long for it. Look for it. Not for what this world offers. Look beyond. Pray that his kingdom will come. And for that we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In this lost and dying world. And if there is anyone here who was tired of putting your cares, your time, your energy, your affections into this world, I call you to cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Don't come to the end of your life with only earthly riches, having placed all your investments into what will only bring destruction. No. Wake up and repent and believe on the name of the Son of God who came and bled and died for you that you may be able to give all your affection to Him who gave all His love for you at the cross. May that be for you. May we remember that our love must be to the Father and not to the world.